If you have enjoyed Baker Street 2033, why not consider supporting the second series? Go to ko-fi.com slash neilfitzgerald. That's ko-fi.com slash neilfitzgerald. Your support would be most welcome. A future Sherlock Holmes mystery. The Glass Cryptographer by Neil Fitzgerald. Episode 9 A First Encounter with Oneself as a Fictional Entity. For the next few days, Holmes disappeared into one of his profoundly introspective spells. He remained in plain view but was occupied behind his newfangled newspaper, what I had taken to thinking of as a newer's paper, and I knew better than to disturb him as he ruminated in his corner of the room. It was not a silent vigil. A range of exclamations, ejaculations and even laughter were omitted during his protracted reading session, but these were only the outward manifestations of a distinctly internal meditation. Mrs Hudson was seldom called upon to provide refreshments, and only then of the most meagre kind. Finally, after two whole days, he emerged in typical fashion, hallowing me with the vim of a man not steeped in the languor of melancholy, but one who has been revivified by a lengthy repose. Watson, I have made a most startling breakthrough in this extraordinary case. But Holmes, you have not moved from this room. What possible discoveries could you have made from so sedentary a position? Come, come, Watson. Have I not often remarked to you that data are integral to the successful solution of a problem? The problem with this world is that there is a glut of data that makes eliminating the inessential an overwhelming task. It can only be overcome by knowing where to look, which requires knowing what one is looking for in advance of the search. And what were you looking for? Aha! I was struck by something Rajasthani had said, which had echoed a remark made by Chatterjee during our first conversation. It seems that these stories of yours, Watson, have been transmuted into strange new forms in the intervening years, through the pen of numerous writers. On the stage, on the silver screen, and on these modish smaller screens, actors had played our lives many times over. I therefore decided it would be worthwhile to investigate the various incarnations and manifestations we had taken. I don't normally care for ontological investigations such as these. The only philosophy I hold faith in is logic, as well you know, but these idle comments had awoken a curiosity that was overtaking my capacity for reason and logical thought. This curiosity demanded satisfaction, and I bended to its will. For the past two days, I have immersed myself in these extraordinary dramatic reenactments of our cases. I have seen us both played by a wild array of actors, exhibiting varying degrees of skill, with the most recent travelling furthest from the source material and any semblance of verisimilitude. If I thought your stories were romantic recreations of the crimes, my dear Watson, then these fictions make those accounts look like the most sober reports of the cases. They are far too numerous to list them all. Indeed, it is claimed that I am the most prolific screen character in the history of the moving image. 
Can you imagine it, Watson? Me? Us? Prolific characters of the silver screen? What is more, and this is beyond all reasoning, my first appearance was in 1905 in a film entitled Sherlock Holmes Baffled, which is barely a minute in length. This perturbed me, as did every dramatic appearance contemporaneous with our lives. Surely we, with our lives entangled in the quotidian ebb and flow of London life, would have seen a notice in the Times or a playbill announcing a show. I could not fathom how this had come to pass, and so dropped it for the moment. Instead, I turned my attention to the reproductions themselves. Watson, we have appeared as characters in hundreds more of these dramatic accounts. I shall show you a few examples of the exemplary and erroneous to show you how varied in exactitude these dramas can be. As I hitherto said, prepare yourself, my dear friend, for some insouciant acts of dramatic license. Using my capacity to project light shows on other services, Holmes bade me stand in front of a blank partitioning wall. Now, I want you to search on the newer sphere for a film entitled Terror by Night from 1946, starring Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce. Filmed monochromatically, it is one of a series of 14 featuring this duo as ourselves, Watson. Let us sample its wares. I called this up on my internal search mechanism and had the film enlarged upon the wall before me. It started off with a painful orchestral racket and went downhill from there. The opening image is of pale imitations of ourselves looming in the fog. Despite the metropolitan setting, Holmes is wearing his full country garb of tweeds and deerstalker and smoking a calabash pipe, a pipe I have never known him to smoke. But outside and in the fog, preposterous. Neither one resembles us in the slightest. These are the broad strokes of a blind painter, and our shadows walk on into the night. But I'm a bumbling idiot. I know, roared Holmes, his mirth not just barely contained, but given free rein. Why, this is utterly contemptible. Isn't it just? I haven't laughed so much in years. <laughs> and in the other episodes are just as ludicrous. Listen, Sherlock Holmes and the Voice of Terror, the Spider Woman, the Scarlet Claw... The House of Fear. <laughs> Exasperated by the litany, I cried out, But these banalities are not my creations. Their sensationalist title Their sensationalist titles are more redolent of Gothic horror or the penny dreadful. Quite, but don't be fooled. Occasionally these are thinly disguised versions of your endeavours. Kindly call up the voice of terror, Watson. I did as requested. The opening sequence was the same as before, only there was something singularly disturbing in the credits, a line crediting my story to another. It said, Based on the story, His Last Bow, by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. That's a monstrous lie, I roared. I fear not, Watson. The work is mine, not this Conan Doyle fellow. This is fraud of the most unconscionable kind. I shall instigate legal proceedings, Holmes. I shall... F I was sputtering with rage. Calm yourself, my dear friend. There is more to come. Much more. 
He returned his gaze to the wall and I reluctantly followed suit, having been in no measure soothed by my companion's words. We watched on. Sundry names rolled atop our trudging shadows while the cacophonous music blared out in its pantomime terror. Watson, here we see how your canon has been traduced by the aesthetics of a genre prevalent in the 1940s called noir. The French word is both literal and figurative here for a menacing metropolis captured in monochrome. But what the deuce does it have to do with my story? Before my friend could respond, the cacophony ceased, replaced by light-hearted music, and a passage appeared in white script. Stop it here, Watson. Now, behold this piece of evidence. I read a title card as it appeared on the wall. Sherlock Holmes, the immortal character of fiction created by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, is ageless, invincible, and unchanging. In solving significant problems of the present day, he remains, as ever, the supreme master of deductive reasoning. I was agog. The immortal character of fiction created by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. This is too much, Holmes. I beseech you to tell me what the meaning of all this is. My dear friend, you must prepare yourself for a shock so profound that it'll make you cast doubt on the very nature of existence. Sherlock Holmes will return in Episode 10 More Curious Encounters with Oneself as a Fictional Entity If you have enjoyed this podcast, you might like to try others by the same writer and producer, such as Dear Old Blood, Notes on a Wittgenstein Noir, and Modern Gothic. The writer now has a cracking idea for a second series of Baker Street 2033. So, you could also consider supporting the writer at buymeacoffee.com slash neilfitzgerald.com.